0: Welcome to the Podcast of the Universe. Warning, Steve is on his bullshit again. Let's start the show. Welcome back. This is Podcast of the Universe. You can find me on Instagram at thisispotu, at T-H-I-S-I-S-P-O-T-U. To a lesser extent, that's where I am on Twitter as well. but I haven't been using Twitter that often. So before we start the show, I would like to do a couple of shout-outs. As I've mentioned before, I use Anchor uh, to uh, publish these podcasts. Recently, they opened it up so I can see where listeners are from. So I'd like to thank a few countries before we move on. The first one is Suriname, Czechia, Netherlands, New Zealand, French, Guyana, Israel, Ecuador, Norway, Colombia, India, Sweden, Ireland, Russia, uh, Spain, Germany, France, Thailand, Australia, the United Kingdom, Canada, my home country, and the USA. So thank you all for listening around the world to this silly little show that I do. And I'd also like to thank you, Hats. Thank you for coming in. I appreciate it. And normally I'd be a little, you know, cynical. I'd be a little passive-aggressive with you, but we got a we got a real doozy today. So that's punishment enough. So today we're talking about Steven Seagal. Um, no one asked me for this topic to be covered on the show, and I spent a lot of hours researching Steven Seagal. Never thought I'd say those words, but here we are. If you ever have a topic, though, you'd like to recommend it, you can hit me up on Instagram or Twitter or email me at podcast of the universe at gmail.com. Until then, uh, as I'm left to my own devices, uh, things like this will happen. Now, before we get into Steven Seagal, I had an idea. Normally, by the time I'm done researching and ready to record podcast, I know what my next topic is. But I was thinking for my next show that I wouldn't say what it was about, that it would just be a blank title or a nondescript title, and then it would be like a surprise bag. I'm very gimmicky. I love gimmicks. So that's the gimmick that I'm I'm thinking about for my next episode. All right, so deep breath, everyone. Let's begin. So I thought with Steven Seagal, we should start with Aikido. Uh, Aikido is a modern Japanese martial art developed by Morhei Ushiba as a synthesis of his martial studies, philosophy, and religious beliefs. Yoshiba's goal was to create an art the practitioners could use to defend themselves while also protecting their attacker from injury. Segal's approach to Aikido differs, as it has been said, it was made easier for the practitioner to use, but causes harm to the attacker. So uh, sometimes throughout this podcast, I will jump back and forth or things will overlap. Um, But I thought right now would be a good time to include some items I came across in a people Uh, magazine article. that was published November nineteenth, 1990. So the title of the article was, Sure, he's making box office killing, but who is Steven Seagal? And I lifted a few quotes from the article. His tendency to twist and embellish the truth has long puzzled friends, says an associate. He's a complex guy with insecurities and imaginary enemies. He'd be fine if he just kept his, his mouth shut. His mother went on to say, Although Steven Seagal likes to paint himself as an urban street kid, whom the Fullerton, California youth saw as some kind of crazy gangster. Pat says her son was frail and suffered from asthma. She said, he was a puny kid back then, but he really thrived after the move from Michigan. And just when Steven Seagal packed up and left for Japan is another confusing matter. During various interviews, he indicated it was between 1968 and 1973, and according to enrollment records at Fullerton College, he attended classes there from the fall of 1970 and left after the fall of 1971, putting him at age 19 before he could have departed for a long stay in Japan. The date of his departure is only an issue because Steven Seagal claimed he studied with Morhei uh, Yoshiba, the founder of Aikido, who died in 1969. That story is bull, says Terry Dobson, who is a fifth-degree black belt who studied with the master from 1961 until 1969. Back then, I never heard of Steven Seagal. It goes on to say, whatever the course of his travels, by 1974... Seagal was back in California. That year, he met Miyako uh, Fujitani, who was now 43. At the time, in 1990, she was 43. A second-degree black belt and daughter of an Osaka Aikido master who had come to L.A. to teach Aikido. Uh, Miyako remembers that Steven Seagal pursued her aggressively. She said, It was like I was in a dream. That passion made him look very attractive to me. It was during Steven Seagal's period in Japan that his activities took into intrigue. Uh, As he has told, then denied, the story, he met some people from a particular uh, agency. He said, These guys were my students. They saw my abilities both with martial arts and with the language. Seagal told the Los Angeles Times in 1988, You can say that I became an advisor to several CIA agents in the field and through my friends in the CIA met many powerful people and did special works and special favors. Some of the powerful people for whom Seagal claims to have done security work for are the Shah of Iran, South African Archbishop Desmond Tutu, and the Egyptian President Anwar Sadat. Uh, While it is the CIA's policy neither to confirm or deny the identity of its operatives, sources familiar with the agency say Seagal's tale is improbable. Still, that hasn't stopped the star from trotting it out whenever he sees the need. On the 1988 talk show circuit for Above the Law, an action melodrama about the CIA crazies, he told Jane Pauly, there are certain parts of the movie that are very autobiographical. He also said, I'd rather make Terms of Endearment than Commando. I want to make a movie that can grab people by the heartstrings. I don't consider myself a martial arts star, he insisted. I'd be offended and disappointed if I got a reputation as a martial arts star. It would also be relevant at this point to say that for a while, as I mentioned on the show, I'm a huge MMA fan. And for a while, Steven Seagal was showing up at events and talking to the press and trying to get in good with fighters. So he would show up at a UFC event in a do-rag in his trademark yellow shooting glasses. And he would tell them that he was teaching them secret moves and they were calling him master and sensei. And he, he told the media and anyone that would listen that he taught Anderson Silva and Lyota Machida, very secret move. Now, what is the secret move that was allowed in the octagon that they were trained by Steven Seagal? Uh, it was a front kick to the face. He said he invented that. So, and just while we're here, I didn't know where else to put it. There are some less active Steven Seagal forums now, but you can still you can still go on and, and see those. And online, someone said, uh, why did Steven Seagal get fat? And the person on on the website said he became too damn efficient in the 80s and early 90s he was lean athletic and fast his aikido skills japanese martial art were among the top uh, aikidoka in the world reiterating something that has been gaining speed in the fitness community the greater efficiency we gain at something the less effect it has on our physiology so when someone gets to the level of mastery of a skill it is no longer the same it, it no longer has the same training effect it did when they were just learning it. So that is why Steven Seagal is out of shape, is because he's too efficient. That's also why I am getting more and more out of shape, by the way. So Steven Seagal has so, so many movies, and I don't wanna talk about all of them, but I wanted to have a quick look at some of the his first films that I loved as a child, absolutely loved. So the first one was 1988, he appeared in Above the Law, and I wanna read the taglines uh, for a couple of these. Uh, Above the law, tagline number one, he was a covert agent trained in Vietnam. He has a master's sixth degree black belt in Aikido and family in the mafia. He's a cop with an attitude. And tagline number two, he's a cop who believes no one is above the law. And in that film, he played Nico Toscani, an Italian-American martial arts expert who left the CIA to become a detective with the Chicago Police Department. That has a 53% rating on Rotten Tomatoes. 1990, Hard to Kill. This one has three taglines. He's L.A. Detective Mason Storm. Three hired assassins left him for dead, and he's waited seven years to even the score. Tagline number two, the star of Above the Law is back. Now, Steven Seagal is hard to kill. And the third one was very puzzling. It says, Nico's back, and this time he's even more harder to kill. It says Nico's back, but he's playing a detective named Mason Storm. So, synopsis, he played at LA Detective Mason Storm, who's gunned down in his home by dirty cops. His wife is killed in the attack, and the intruders believe they have killed Mason and his son. Mason is secretly cared for while he is in a seven-year coma. When he awakes, he gets his son and seeks revenge. Rotten Tomatoes, 33%. 1990, marked for death. I watched these as a child too, so I was nine when this came out. I could watch anything, uh, as long as there was no nudity. People could be just... Murdered so hard, and it was fine. That's probably what's wrong with me. So 1990, marked for death. Uh, Tagline number one, he's a good cop in a bad mood. Tagline number two, they've attacked his family. They've killed his partner. They've made the wrong guy. Very, very angry. Now Steven Seagal is marked for death. And the third one, in Above the Law, he got tough. and Hard to Kill, he got even. Now the man with the short fuse is marked for death. He plays John Hatcher, a retired Chicago DEA agent. Uh, retirement doesn't last as he goes to war with the Jamaican drug lord. Named Screwface, Rotten Tomatoes, 22%. Now, 1991's Out for Justice might have been my favorite one as a child. Uh, so, Out for Justice, four taglines. The first one is, pure adrenaline pumping jaw-dropping thrills. Second one, Steven Seagal is out for justice. Number three, He's a cop. It's a dirty job, but somebody's got to take out the garbage. And number four, no sleep to Brooklyn. In the movie, they actually played no sleep till Brooklyn. Uh, He plays Gino Silva, who's uh, a cop, and his partner and friend Bobby Lupo is shot and killed by a drug dealer named Richie Mendano. Gino beats the shit out of everyone as he looks for Richie, and he keeps asking, anybody seen Richie? Anybody know why Richie did Bobby Lupo? And I used to say that all the time. Anybody know why Richie did Bobby Lupo? Anybody seen Richie? And I thought it was hilarious. Uh, also, Richie's employers are upset with him. Uh, they are also looking for him. Uh, Richie doesn't care if he lives or dies, which makes him more dangerous. Rotten Tomatoes, 23%. Uh, if I had... Uh... Now, back then, I would give it a higher rating. I don't care what ratings his movies have now. Uh, 1992 Under Siege. I wasn't crazy about this one. So taglines, number one, it's not a job, it's an adventure. Number two, in 1992, a battleship's been sabotaged by nuclear pirates out to steal its warheads. Now surrounded by terrorists, a lone man stands with a deadly plan of attack. That's not a good tagline. It's too long. In the movie, he plays Casey Ryback, a former Navy SEAL captain who's now the cook aboard the USS Missouri. The ship is about to be decommissioned. It also happens to be the captain's birthday. What could go wrong? Darius take over and kill the captain. Now, Casey is an expert in uh, martial arts, weapons, tactics, and explosives must save the day. Tommy Lee Jones and Gary Busey are the bad guys. Rotten Tomatoes, 77%. When when I saw this when I was a kid, I wasn't crazy about it. And this next one was the last one for me. Uh, Undeadly Ground, 1994. uh, Tagline was... His battle to save the Alaskan wilderness and protect its people can only be won on deadly ground. He plays Forrest Taft, an environmental agent who fights an oil company in Alaska. Michael Caine and Billy Bob Thornton are also in this. And this was his directorial debut. And on Rotten Tomatoes, this got a 10%. So this is where I was done. I was like 13, and this was it for me. And I really didn't watch anything after. There was like a couple movies after. Uh, that I saw here and there, but I wasn't I wasn't crazy about them. I would still watch the old ones. They they were nostalgic for me. Um, I will mention one more movie. Uh, it's called The Foreigner. Uh, the tagline was, "If they think they can stop him, they're dead wrong." A freelance agent must transport a package for a mysterious employer, leading him into a web of betrayal and deceit. Rotten Tomatoes zero percent. So he's been cranking them out. He's probably filming another movie right now. Uh, there's talk about doing Above the Law too, um, And since we're on the topic of his acting career, uh, I thought maybe we'd talk about a few of the comments his co-stars have had to say about the chameleon who is Steven Seagal. So Julia Sweeney, uh, just, apparently he is like the worst guest host ever on Saturday Night Live, uh, as per Lord Michaels. But Julia Sweeney had this to say about Steven Seagal. When we pitched our ideas for Seagal at our Monday meeting, he gave us some of his own sketch ideas. And some of his sketch ideas were so heinous, but so hilariously awful, it was like we were on candid camera. He had this idea that he's a therapist, and he wanted Victoria Jackson to be his patient, who's just been raped. And the therapist says, you're going to have to come to me twice a week for like three years, because that's how therapists freaking are. They're just trying to get your money. And then he says the psychiatrist tries to have sex with her. John Leguizamo worked with uh, Steven Seagal on executive decision in 1996. John Leguizamo said he was supposed to be the master sergeant and I was right underneath him, his boy. We came to the first day of rehearsals and he goes, I'm in command. And we laughed. I thought he was kidding. Who talks like that? He comes at me and elbows me against a brick wall and knocks all the air out of me. And I'm like, why? I wanted to say how big and fat he is and how he runs like a girl, but (laughs) I couldn't because I didn't have enough air. Uh, Jenny McCarthy on an audition for Under Siege 2. McCarthy said she went to try out for the film and purposely wore a muumuu to the audition so the casting people would actually look at my face and watch my work, she said. At the audition, McCarthy took notice that no one else was in the casting room, so I stand across from Seagal, and he plops onto a sofa that's near a fireplace. Uh, He points at the sofa cushion next to him, saying to me, take a seat, relax. I said, no thank you, I'm really excited to read for this part, and I have so much energy I need to stand. Seagal began to recount his experience on combat missions before telling McCarthy, you know, this part has nudity in it, and I really can't tell what your body looks like in that dress you're wearing. McCarthy admitted to being alarmed by the obvious ploy in my head. I'm like, okay, here we go, sound the alarms. This is not a test. This is a real thing. Activate all defense systems, McCarthy said. But I so wanted to legitimately read for the part that I wasn't going to give up yet, so I said, listen, my agent says there's no nudity. I specifically asked her, and she said no. McCarthy claimed Steven Seagal said there is off-camera nudity and asked her to lower her dress. At a distressed McCarthy said she asked could we please read the scene but Seagal again made the request so I can see your breasts. At that point McCarthy started crying claimed she yelled go buy my Playboy video it's on sale for 19.99." before departing. The ordeal wasn't over as she reached her car Steven Seagal had followed her and al- allegedly warned her not to tell anyone about their encounter or else. It was so disheartening," she said, and I thought about like I was the last girl that day. How many girls had to take off their clothes? How many girls had to do more? It just so grossed me out. Uh, Seagal's spokesperson had denied McCarthy's allegations uh, to at least one media outlet. On November 8, 2017, Portia de Rossi tweeted, "My final edition for a Steven Seagal movie took place in his office. He told me how important it was to have chemistry off-screen as he sat down and unzipped his leather pants. That is horrifying. I ran out and called my agent." Unfazed, she replied, well, I didn't know if he was your type. Juliana Margolis said Seagal preferred private auditions for all of his movies. At the age of 23, when she arrived at one such audition and discovered no casting director was pre- present, I walked in and sat down and jumped right back up because there was something uncomfortable and hard in the couch. He laughed and said, oh, sorry, that must have been my gun. Uh, he lifted up the cushion and took out his gun. When Margolis uh, grew noticeably nervous, Seagal explained that he casually packed to protect himself from all the crazies that are out there. Uh, he asked her to read her palms. He told me I had really weak kidneys, and at that point, to be honest, as a New York girl, I kind of started laughing inside. Shortly thereafter, Margola said she squirmed out of the room, but then she realized she hadn't received the cab fare she'd been promised. So she went back and asked for it. She got the cash as well as the part net for justice, although she demanded she never be alone with Seagal on the set. Actress Regina Simmons claimed that Seagal invited her to a rap party after the production of the movie On Deadly Ground in 1993. But Seagal only invited uh, Simons to the party, and then reportedly raped her. Uh, While Sean Connery was filming Never Say Never Again, Seagal was brought in to train the actor in Aikido for the role. Connery said he got a little cocky, so an annoyed Seagal broke his wrist. Uh, And my favorite story, judo Jean LaBelle, uh, two-time heavyweight judo champion, a stuntman and an actor, was a fight choreographer on Out for Justice. One day, Seagal said it was impossible for him to be choked out because he could prevent it with a special move. The story goes that Gene easily took his back and Seagal punched or chopped LaBelle's balls. Uh, Gene LaBelle did not let go and Seagal went to sleep and apparently shit himself. Steven Seagal has uh, denied this multiple times that this had ever happened. So since we're here, let's pull up a couple allegations and lawsuits. So in May 1991, during the filming of Vote for Justice, uh, Warner Brothers employee, Rianne Malone, Nicole Sellinger, and Christine Kiev accused Seagal of sexual harassment. In return for remaining silent, Malone and another woman received around $50,000 each uh, in an out-of-court settlement. Around the same time, at least four actresses claimed that Segal had made sexual advances, typically during late-night casting sessions. In 1995, Seagal was charged with employment discrimination, sexual harassment, and breach of contract. Cheryl Schumann filed the case against Segal, accusing him of threatening and beating her during the filming of On Deadly Ground. August 1995, Los Angeles Superior Court Judge Hiroshi Fujisaki dismissed the case, calling the claims repetitive and unintelligible. Uh, April 12, 2010, 23-year-old Kaden Wen filed a lawsuit against Seagal in Los Angeles County Superior Court, requesting more than a million dollars in damages. In her suit, she alleged Segal engaged in sexual harassment, uh, the illegal trafficking the illegal trafficking of females for sex, failure to prevent sexual harassment and wrongful termination. Seagal denied the allegations, but his reality show, Steven Seagal Lawman, was suspended while his attorney resolved the case. Uh, July 14th, 2010, three months after Wynn filed her suit, she withdrew her claim without explanation. There was a 2011 lawsuit re- uh, regarding uh, the show Lawman, but we'll get to that in a few moments. Uh, in 2018, uh, January 15th, Actress Rachel Grant publicly accused Seagal of sexually assaulting her in 2002 during pre-production of his direct-to-video release, uh, Out for a Kill, uh, which came out in 2003. Uh, Stated she lost her job on the film after the incident, and in February 2018, the L.A. County District Attorney's Office acknowledged that it was reviewing a potential sex abuse case involving Steven Seagal. So, Steven Seagal also had a reality TV show. It was called Steven Seagal, Lawman. Uh, The show ran from for three seasons. The first two were on A&E, and the final was on a channel called Reels, which I assume is a channel in the U.S. I don't know what the equivalent here is in Canada. Uh, So before it aired on A&E, they distributed press kits to critics that were wrapped in um, like baby flak jackets. I don't know that the flak jackets were for babies, but they were like little tiny flak jackets. So seasons one and two, uh, they were in Jefferson Parish, where he was a reserve deputy sheriff, and that's a real thing that was true. Uh, and in Steven Seagal's own words, I've been working as an officer in Jefferson Parish for two decades under most people's radar. I've decided to work with Annie on the series now because I believe it's important to show the nation all of the positive work being accomplished here in Louisiana to see the passion and commitment that comes from the Jefferson Parish Sheriff's Office in this post-Katrina environment. So... They can, in there, they can just say like, oh, you're, you're deputized, basically. It doesn't, it doesn't mean that he went to the academy and has actual credentials. Uh, It's like largely ceremonial and he can accompany people. Uh, I don't think he can go out and arrest people on his own. So in season three, he took his talents to Maricopa County, Arizona, where he worked with Sheriff Joe Arpaio. You may recognize him as uh, being an asshole there's a good chance anyway season three steve and joe with a ton of officers decked out in like swat gear drove an armored vehicle or a tank i guess you would call it uh, into a suspect's home so they had they had a tip that this guy had cockfighting going on so they drove an armored vehicle into like through a gate into his house allegedly an 11 month old puppy was shot and I think it was like the number was 118. The roosters were euthanized. Uh, the suspect, Jesus Lovera, was accused of cockfighting. I don't agree with cockfighting. If he had like 118 cocks and they, they said that there was equipment there, then maybe he was doing that. You shouldn't drive a tank into someone's house and shoot an 11-month-old puppy. I, it seemed like an overreach. So Steven Seagal and Arpeo disputed the killing of the 11-month-old puppy and that was the only part they they disputed steven seagal also mentions how against uh animal cruelty he is as well and from what i could dig up online it seems that steven seagal resigned as reserve deputy in jefferson parish in 2010 and just to guess it would be because the department would have to have an internal investigation into one of the sexual harassment claims against him, even though it was withdrawn, they would still have to do an internal investigation, even though the matter wasn't ongoing in court. But they—they they were very close together; those two things. So, if I had to guess, that might be my guess. So, over the years, Steven Seagal bragged about his involvement with law enforcement, whether it was training officers in hand-to-hand combat or doing favors for the CIA. I suspect that he did show up at police departments and. Uh, get people to uh, uh, let let him grab their wrist and flip them around. I'm assuming that that happened. So, Steven is many things. You you could call Steven Seagal many things. Uh, a musician is one of them. Uh, 2005, Steven Seagal even released an album, his debut album. It was called Songs from the Crystal Cave. A 14-track offering, including hits Girl, It's Alright, Lollipop, Strut, a song just called Dance, and another one just called Music. And for some reason, Stevie Wonder played harmonica on this album, and it would be described as a, a mix of blues, rock, dancehall, and reggae. In 2006, he released his second album, and it was called Mojo Priest. It contained titles such as Love Doctor, Gunfire in a Juke Joint, Alligator Ass, Barbecue, Coochie Coochie Man, Talk to My Ass, and She Dat Pretty. And that album was strictly a blues album. Now, when I said Stephen Seagal is many things, and you could call him many things, some people say that he's a reincarnation of Chungrag Dorji, a 17th century Tibetan Lama. To be fair to Steven Seagal, actual Tibetan monks had told him this. They'd, there was a lot of backlash when this happened, a lot of people were upset. Uh, other Buddhists were upset, so they did come out and clarify that there would be a process where Stephen Seagal would need to study a great deal and practice for who knows how many hours to meet his potential. So how it works is um, in the 1600s, uh, this person Drag Dorji, the Lama, vowed to return to assist mankind in reaching en- enlightenment. I don't know what map he used to find his way. All these years later and end up into that meat sack i'm not sure so there's an article written by orville shell titled searching for the dalai lama dispirited stars find absolution in buddhism and here are some quotes from uh, seagal in the article my involvement has been quite secret up until now he says in a hushed tone when i question him later there are still many things i cannot talk about actions to be taken in real life on the behalf of the tibetans that will not just be in movies His eyes narrow as he fixes me with the well-rehearsed look that mixes self-importance with a hint of menace. I've kept my spiritualism secret because people don't understand it. Friends have never gotten this part of my life. But there are many great lamas who recognize me as someone strange and from another time, who refer to me as one of them. I feel a kinship beyond words with them, something really deep. People all over the world come up to me and recognize me, as a great spiritual leader he gives me another penetrating stare I'd like to spread any light I'm sorry I'd like to spread any kind of light I can and lead people into the Dharma I do films because I can put little seeds in them that can become spirituality but Hollywood is a dream by people whose demonic impulses have kept me under their thumb I have one more Warner Brothers film to do and then I'm on my own and can make any kind of spiritual Tibetan films I want. He was asked how he views the Dalai Lama. Segal replied, I've seen so much bullshitting from people who just want to be associated with the Dalai Lama, he replies. His voice tinged with barely suppressed scorn, but the Dalai Lama gave me a spiritual blessing that would not have been given to anyone who was not special. I don't think he has given such a blessing to another white person. And of course, there are many critics who say it's more likely his donations earned him this distinction and not that he's an actual vessel for such an important soul uh, to be in. You know, given that he's a famous Westerner and he was not discovered as a child because that's normally how tulkus are discovered. Aside from being a, uh, a llama, Stephen Seagal is also uh, an ambassador for many things. Uh, He had his own energy drink. It was called Steven Seagal's Lightning Bolt. It was an energy drink that came in three flavors, Asian Experience, Cherry Charge, and Root Beer. They contained Tibetan goji berries, Asian cordyceps that fortify the immune system, decrease blood pressure, and promote energy and vitality. They contained all-natural ingredients, sweetened with cane juice, concentrate, uh, containing naturally occurring polisconols that have been found to lower cholesterol. They included... Longer-lasting energy elements like vitamin B and ginkgo bilbova that aid in metabolic function and mental alertness. And to top it off, they combined the secrets of true energy that martial arts master and actor Steven Seagal discovered in his travels all over the globe. On coldsteel.com, you can buy Steven Seagal weapons, a Steven Seagal katana, a Steven Seagal signature, Wakazashi sword for the low, low price of $1,099.99. You used to have other pieces on the site like the Steven Seagal helmet breaker, the Steven Seagal sword breaker, and although no longer on coldsteel.com, you can still find these uh, on knifecenter.com. And this this one I was not aware of. I was aware of the swords. This, this was completely out of left field. So I can't find these products still on the website. Now, but for a time, he had a business relationship with Young Living Essential Oils. If you're unfamiliar with Young Living Essential Oils, it's a multi-level marketing company, like pyramid-shaped. They created the Steven Seagal Health Line. Think about that just for a second. Steven Seagal Health Line. So this offering included Paraway the ultimate parasite control system, incorporating a synergistic blend of some of the strongest, most highly anti-parasitic essential oils. Take two to four droppers three times a day for 21 consecutive days. $20 for two ounces. Trauma Life. Trauma Life is a companion for the feelings kit. This blend of grade A essential oils is designed to neutralize difficult past experiences and negate the hold of buried emotional traumas, as well as the traumas relating to ongoing life experiences such as accidents, death of a loved one, assault, abuse, etc. 5 milliliters, $20. Next we have the Seagal Power Meal. The ultimate power packed energy boosting body builder and fortifier, enriched with a mouth watering wolfberry and malt flavor. I don't know what that would taste like. So my mouth isn't watering yet. Then there were the massage oils Desert Breeze Massage Oil, a relaxing blend of fragrant essential oils designed to promote deep calming and tension relief. $20 for four ounces. Ortho Sport Massage Oil, a supercharged massage oil. Custom-created for the professional athlete and amateur sportsman, OrthoSport is an enhanced version of OrthoEase with a special high-octane formulation. $15 for 4 ounces. Fragrances. Lion's Roar. A masculine scent, ingredients consisting of a proprietary blend of essential oils. $25 for an ounce and a half. And the last one is Lotus Moon. An exotic, alluring proprietary proprietary blend of essential oils designed to captivate the op- opposite sex. $25 per an ounce and a half. Not too long ago, uh, he was also the ambassador for Bitcoin's second-generation cryptocurrency until a few days after regulators in New Jersey and Tennessee issued a warning to investors about Bitcoin. When I say Bitcoin, uh, not the regular Bitcoin, the Bitcoin that has three eyes. So this one is bitco IIN. I'm not really up on cryptocurrencies. I did read into it and basically the articles describe this as being or having the features of a pyramid scheme. Uh, He is now a spokesman for the Russian arms manufacturer Orsis. Uh, He helped design a long-range rifle called the Orsis by Steven Seagal. This rifle will show high precision ergonomic construction and will be able to hit the target at a distance of a mile and a half there is or was plans for him to lobby the U.S. government on behalf of Russia to sell firearms stateside. Uh, Steven Seagal wrote a book. Uh, he had help. So he wrote a book. The guy's name is Tom Morrissey. I think he's in law enforcement, but it's called The Way of the Shadow Wolves, The Deep State and the Hijacking of America. And here's the synopsis. Shadow Wolves is a book of fiction based on reality. Both authors have worked with, confronted, and seen the power of the deep state and the manner in which many federal government agencies willfully violate the Constitution and the laws of the land in service to special interests. The 2016 election has for the first time made many American citizens aware that the deep state is very real, that the mainstream media is fake news media offering a false narrative designed by the secret intelligence world Service to special interests, and the foreword was written by Sheriff Joe Arpaio. So now let's look at Steven Seagal and the mob. So this was uh, a lot of this information is from Ralph Blumenthal, uh, who wrote the article. Steven Seagal, the action film star, cited as mafia extortion target, has told investigators that after he stopped working with his longtime producer, he was ordered into a car in Brooklyn last year. And shuttled to a landmark restaurant where he was threatened by mobsters. Uh, he was so intimidated he recounted that he agreed to turn over $700,000. All investigators are still trying to trace the money. If the incident seems something like out of a Hollywood movie, the pair accused of doing the threatening seem to agree. According to those close to the case who pointed to the wiretap information, they say that the bugs planted by the federal and state agents later recorded a re- reputed Gambino family captain and soldier laughingly comparing the scene to the movies and joking about how they had shaken up the six foot four mr a commercial art expert who was a practicing buddhist now, new details of the case which were made public last month as a part of the federal waterfront racketeering indictment of peter gaudy and 16 others emerged in interviews with central figures for the most part spoke on the condition of anonymity uh, by various opposing accounts that the peculiar tale may shape up as a battle for control over the actor between a mafia extortion crew which threatened his life and the Buddhist advisors who voiced concern for his afterlife. Court filings and other government accounts painted a picture of Mr. Seagal's producer, Julius Aaron Nassau, named in the indictment as a Gambino family associate, turning to turning to fearsome higher-ups in the mob to compel Mr. Seagal to abide by the abandoned movie commitments or turn over millions for the missed profit opportunities. Mr. Nasso in interviews, dismissed these assertions, saying they were offered as a smokescreen to obscure Mr. Seagal's broken obligations and an unpaid $500,000 debt the actor owed him. It attributed their bitter break to Mr. Seagal's Buddhist advisors, including a woman named Mukara, who he said uh, in a quest for the actor's largest, drew Mr. Seagal a chart warning him that his violent movies and even his family members stood in the way of a felicitous reincarnation. Mr. Seagal's lawyer, Merton Pollner, said Buddhism had nothing to do with it. Stephen is a believer in Buddhism and has made contributions, as he has to other charities, voluntarily and wholeheartedly, and never under any threat. Budim has not gotten in the way of Steven's career. He's still making motion pictures. Either way, it's been an odd denouement for a 15-year relationship that produced 10 films grossing many millions of dollars and found the partners living in adjoining houses on Staten Island and sharing many family moments. Mr. Nassau says he even helped raise one of Mr. Seagal's sons. In one of the more cinematic moments, people familiar with the case said Mr. Seagal told investigators that in February 2001... He was visiting Mr. Nassau and his brother, Vincent Nassau, who was also a reputed Gambino associate in Brooklyn, when he was ordered into a car to accompany both brothers and another reputed Gambino associate later charged in the case, Richard Bondi. After switching cars to throw off any pursuers, the journey ended at the Gage and Tolner restaurant in downtown Brooklyn, where Anthony Ciccone, a reputed Gambino captain known as Sonny, and Primo Casarino, a reputed family soldier. We're waiting in the back room. It was here. People familiar with the case say the threat was made. Not long afterward, people close to the investigation said a tape recorder on one of the Prime Bug locations, Brioso, a restaurant in Staten Island, picked up Mr. Ciccone and Mr. Casarino, chortling over, scaring Mr. Seagal. They were laughing about it, saying it it was right out of the movies, and if we only had guns in our belts, it would be really good, said a lawyer who heard the tape. A month later, Seagal told investigators he was visited unexpectedly at his home in Los Angeles by Julius Nasso, Mr. Saccone and Mr. Casarino, and he subsequently paid Mr. Saccone 700000 through Mr. Nasso. People familiar with the case said investigators were still trying to trace the money and learn more about the circumstances under which Mr. Saccone would be demanding the money from Mr. Seagal, but in a court argument last month, prosecutors said the two men and the Nasso brothers were seeking to use Mr. Saccone's position in organized crime to force the extortion victim, who had not been named in court but identified by all sides as the actor, to either pay money or include Jay Nasso in the individual's film projects. One of the 2,200 tapes recorded, the government said, captured Mr. Saccone instructing Julius Nasso to demand $150,000 of film from Mr. Seagal. Another obscenity-laced tape played in court depicted Mr. Saccone ripping into Julius Nasso for supposedly supposedly using his name to help collect money to pay film investors, uh, but without sharing the proceeds to Mr. Saccone. December 2000, some of those under surveillance, Uh, Mr. Ciccone, Mr. Casarino, and the Nassos were trailed to Toronto where Mr. Seagal was making exit wounds. The intimidation began there, Mr. Seagal later told investigators. Mr. Nassos said when he met Mr. Seagal in Hollywood in 1986, argued in an interview that he had helped make uh, Seagal millions while reaping only $850,000 in producer fees. He said that Seagal still owed him $500,000 and he borrowed uh, to pay taxes and the dispute could be traced to that debt. He also displayed copies of thousands of dollars of canceled checks from Mr. Seagal to Buddhist causes, an individual suggesting that they were the ones relentlessly tapping the actors' coffers, not he. Some of the checks were made out for jewels, healers, psychics, and Buddhist stuff. Nassau served a year in federal prison starting in 2004 after admitting he plotted to have the mob shake down Seagal. In 2008, Steven Seagal and Nassau agreed to settle the matter out of court, where Seagal would pay NASA an undisclosed sum of money and write a letter supporting NASA's application for a pardon. So that was a lot, but I think I think we got everything in there. So, Mr. International, Steven Seagal. Steven Seagal applied for and was granted a Russian citizenship in 2016. Uh, Putin personally signed and presented Seagal with his new Russian passport in the Kremlin. Putin said, I hope this will be yet another step, albeit small, probably a sign of normalization in our interstate relationships, Putin said, when offering the passport to Seagal to sign. After he was given Russian citizenship, the Ukraine banned him for five years because Segal had, in quotes, committed socially dangerous actions that contradicted the interest of maintaining Ukraine's security. Uh, Seagal was not the only actor banned. After Segal after was banned, Gerard Depardieu was, also became a persona non grata. The Russian Foreign Ministry made Stephen Seagal a special envoy. The unpaid position is similar to that of United Nations Goodwill Ambassador, and Seagal would promote U.S. Russia relations in the humanitarian sphere. Seagal's statement on Twitter to his appointment was this. I am deeply humbled and honored to have been appointed a special representative of the Russian Foreign Ministry in charge of Russian and American humanitarian ties. I hope we can strive for peace, harmony, and positive results in the world. I take this honor very seriously. Segal had met Putin originally after he was hired to perform with his band uh, for Putin at a special event. Uh, he said, For anyone that thinks Vladimir Putin had anything to do with fixing the election, speaking of the US election, or even that the Russians had that kind of technology, is stupid. Uh, on Russian television, he praised Putin for pursuing a foreign policy at fixing the imbalance of power that has been confusing the world since the collapse of the USSR. He went on to say, I am sure that President Putin is trying to create a situation in which the balance of power is more stable and a little more logical and predictable, the actor said. Uh, he was previously granted Serbian citizenship in January of 2016 after multiple visits to the country and was asked to teach Aikido to the Serbian Special Forces. If you're like me, and condolences if you are, uh, then maybe you saw Steven Seagal dancing in Chechnya. He had this awkward dance with these people who were wearing traditional garb, and it just looked like a silly video. He was actually there as a guest of a dictator named Ramzan Kadyrov, uh, who's an absolute bag of shit. And without going down a, a Kadyrov wormhole, I recommend googling him um, or looking up articles written by Karim Zidane, uh who's an excellent journalist. Uh, so Ramzan, it's R-A-M-Z-A-N. The last name is K-A-D-R-Y-O-V. A uh, absolute terrible person uh, who will have Western celebrities, usually athletes, go over and as a way to normalize his image. An image you used to be able to see on Instagram and Facebook, but he's been banned from both platforms. So let's abruptly end the episode there. And, I mean, if you wanted more Steven Seagal, I would recommend watching his interview on Infowars uh, with Alex Jones. Uh, where Steven Seagal says a lot of things uh, that I wouldn't agree with or or consider true, but you could do that. I mean, I did it and I did include it in this episode. But there's lots of Steven Seagal material. I listened to both of his albums too. Um, I thought about like sharing some lyrics, but I I didn't want to. I I thought I thought I'm good. Just give a few song titles. We're good. So that's a lot. That's a lot to process. Anyway, Steven Seagal sounds like a real piece of shit and uh, not a good guy at all. That's that's what I get from this episode. Uh, and if you go on and watch his interview, it seems that um, he believes that he's being targeted or uh, set up or people are working against him. That's, that's the take that I got uh, from the Alex Jones interview. So let's Let's call it a day and we'll end this episode. Before we do, I went to see Captain Marvel on Sunday night. It was really, really good. I enjoyed it. For me, it was up there. I would say it was as good as Guardians 2 and Thor Ragnarok. It was right around there for my enjoyment levels. I So I definitely recommend it. Uh, so check that out. Uh, while I was at the movie theater, I continued my guerrilla marketing for the show. When we were leaving uh, our office before I began working from home, I found these templates for business cards, like print your own business cards. And when you do it, you peel them off. Uh, but they're not thick like business cards at all. They're very thin. And they actually curled. But anyway, the little pieces of paper are basically like my uh my header bar for like Twitter and in uh Instagram where it's just like the space background. It says podcast of the universe, then it says at T H I S I S P O T U. So I've been hiding those around the city. So I'm gonna go to the grocery store or wherever I just tuck them everywhere under pizzas in the frozen aisle, just all over. So anyway, at the movie theater the other day, my wife is like, what are you you doing? I was like, shh, just act act normal. Uh, But I was just hiding them around uh, because we were playing some arcade games after the movie and I left them uh, at some of those little automated kiosks and stuff out in the lobby. So that's my guerrilla marketing campaign for the show. Um, Thought I would share that. So if you found any of those, let me know. Let me know on, on Instagram or Twitter where you found my little slips of paper that I've been hiding around. And they were awful. Awful. If they were supposed to be real business cards, I would be very disappointed. Um, I, should be getting, I should get stickers. That's what I should do. I'll look into that. Uh, maybe we'll do some sticker giveaways too. So let's call it a day. Thank you for listening to this episode devoted to uh, the scumbag Steven Seagal. And next episode, we'll be back with a gimmick where you won't even know what the subject is. We'll see how that goes. I do have an idea though. Um, so find me on Instagram, Twitter, at this is po2. Email the show uh, podcast to the universe at gmail.com. Have a great day, a great weekend, and as always, be curious.